0: radioinfluence.com You know, I say that nothing amazes me anymore. That's bullshit. There are some things that still amaze me. And uh, welcome to another edition of the Rock Stops here. We got a double whammy today. I'm stepping up my game. Content. Content. I never even heard that word. I've been in broadcasting 30 years. I've never heard content up until the last five years. That's a new buzzword, content. You got to provide content. Well, I'm going to provide more content on this one-hour podcast. We got a part two today. I've got a good guest. Baseball fans, you're going to love it. Now, even if you're not a baseball fan, his stories are interesting on making it to the next level and what happened and working hard, getting traded, and when, when, when your time is coming to an end and i so even if you're not a baseball fan if you're a baseball fan you're really going to love it and then also i'm sure the majority of my listeners here on the pod have gone to bars at some time or another and i'm going to tell you on what i got it's called bar no-nos with my man damon how to act uh, no-nos, don't act like a fool Little tips, bar tips But I looked it up Nobody's got this title Bar no-nos Not bar none, bar no-nos with Damon And my guest is Jason Michaels He played 15 years in professional baseball he was in the bigs, most notably known Phillies, Indians. I'll get into his intro here in just a little bit. Good, good dude. Good dude. Good dude. So I went to him at his facility, uh, where he's at at his facility, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Now, when I started out this podcast here and I said, you know, nothing amazes me anymore. No, the fact that Tim Tebow is the number one selling jersey in all the NFL as a backup tight end, that does, that does surprise me. Like, wow. I know that Tebow is a great man. I know that he he, he doesn't have many faults. He really is good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He is good. He is. There's something special about him. Tebow mania. Yes, 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 yes. But I'll never forget, I was anchoring on TV when Tim Tebow signed with the New York Mets. He just signed. It was a minor league contract. The scout didn't even want to put his name on it. So the marketing manager signed the, signed the deal, that he was the one that signed Tebow, because the scout, this is a true story, the scout thought, if, we, if people find out that I'm the one that signed Tebow, he played a little bit of high school baseball, and we're signing him in the Mets organization, my name is going to be, my name's going to be Mud. Like, they're going to be like, what are you talking, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to sign this. And the marketing guy said, I will sign it. That's a true story. So, but, you know, Tebow, and I know there's Tebow lovers that are listening, you know, and I like him as a person, Uh, the great college quarterback. Um, But when he signed with the Mets, the next day, within 24 hours, he was the number one selling Mets jersey, better than their killer pitching staff that they had. Anybody on the Mets parent organization, Tebow was the number one selling Mets jersey. All right. And so I was a little bit, little bit surprised about that. And here within 24 hours of Tebow signing to be a tight end after being out for damn near eight, nine years, his jersey and of the top five merch selling in the NFL. It was Tebow related top five. He is selling more than Tom Brady. Tim Tebow, people putting down their money. A jersey's $199. It's 200 bucks. Like, it ain't cheap. And we're still in the pandemic, and I thought people lost their jobs and unemployment, all this crap. It, it, that does blow me away. Like, I was like, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is pretty popular, isn't he? Young guy. Super Bowl, you know, uh, you know, look at what T- look at what he did and has done. Tebow is more popular than any player in the NFL, and it's by a wide margin. So anyway, good luck to you up there, you know, in Jacksonville. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm not going I've already talked about the Tebow thing, but that is that does surprise me that he is merchandise wise the number one seller in the NFL, and it happened in just 24 hours all right before I get to my guest I gotta tell you man I was at another uh outdoor uh bar uh music live music venue and I saw a local band I know the guy that's a guitarist uh he's a good dude and just a local band and I said I gotta support him man I was tired that night and you know i I'd been out two nights prior and I was out the, even the night before and I was like eh. but I went I went I went for a set and I got to tell you, this is now, I would say, probably like four times I have seen live music this tail end of this pandemic. And I just, there is something to be said about live event, live baseball, basketball, hockey, football, soccer, whatever, music, concert music. There's something to be said about live, live. And what I've noticed is the more dancing, people getting up, bopping to the beat, even if it's a little off-tuned, even if there's, and they're getting their feedback in the speaker, people have just missed it, missed it. And it just, it, yeah, it it feels good. We're getting there. You know, and I'm wondering, too, you know, people are, oh, what we learned in this pandemic. Things are going to be, well, I don't know about you, man. I mean, it's it's coming to the point where, like, I'm over, you know, when you, boy, there's days where you just, when you're indoors, you've been wearing a mask a long time. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, working out in the gym with it. Oh, I'm over it, you know? And I'm wondering if we will eventually go back to the way it was, like not even a new normal, you know? I'll never forget David Letterman. Remember David Letterman, late night, David Letterman show? And I remember when David Letterman had bypass. And I remember when he cut out caffeine, caffeinated coffee. And he was trying to do different things. You know, it's not that good for your heart and all that stuff. And you know what he said? He said like after a couple of months, he went back to caffeinated coffee, you know? And I noticed even myself, I told you guys I had a uh, gallbladder operation and it was serious, man a bile duct was blocked. My liver wasn't functioning. It was dangerous as hell. I lost all told with this whole pandemic, 30 pounds, you know, and I got down low and I still have, I've kept most of the weight off. I feel good, but I do notice like I'm eating a little bit more and like right now I'm around 180. I'm 5'10". I was 200. 200, 205. That's way too much. And I used to say, oh, I got to get down to one eighty five. I'll never do that again. Maybe get to one ninety. But then, COVID hit. I was walking a lot. But then, when I had that operation, and it was serious stuff, I, and when I came out of it, I was one sixty nine. I was too skinny, and that wasn't good. Now I'm, I'm feeling good, one eighty. But I am noticing when I go on that scale at the at the Publix, like, oh, it wasn't those one seventies. Ooh, I'm real skinny. I'm feeling good. Ooh. Ooh, it's getting up there. Am I going to go all the way back? I hope not. (laughs) But I'm wondering, will will we eventually go all the way back? All right, here's what I got for you today on The Rock Stops Here. Two parter here. First guest 15 year major league, or 15 year professional baseball, many years in the majors. The Philadelphia Phillies, Indians, Pirates. Astros. He ended up on a minor league contract with the Washington Nationals. He got to know and was around. I think his locker was right next to Bryce Harper when Bryce Harper came up. He's got some great stories. He's in four Hall of Fames. Now, not the big one. Four Hall of Fames. High School Hall of Fame. Junior College Hall of Fame. University of Miami Hurricanes Hall of Fame. And the Fightin' Phils. Minor League. Double A or Triple A? Hall of Fame. I've never interviewed anybody in four Hall of Fames ever He also was drafted in the Major League Baseball draft four times He turned him down three times Who does that He is a got some great stories What it was like Making it, the call up He gets called up, he drives He's coming from AAA, the cop Gives him a speeding ticket and he tells Him he's just getting called up and this is in Pennsylvania I'm going to play for the Phillies And the cop said that's great, I'm still giving you the ticket He has got unbelievable stories he is jason michaels he's coming up and then after that bar no knows how to don't act like a fool at a bar with my bartender veteran bartender damon but first up here he comes boom he just went yard jason michaels all right jason um i i asked this question to a lot of former athletes that made it to the bigs, the big major leagues, NFL, you know, the big time, you made it to the show. And as the years go on, does it seem like, wow, that was like, I was a different Jason. That was a different, I was a different person or nah, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that you were playing major league baseball. What what is it for Jason?
1: Well, uh, I tell you, it's been 2011 was my last year in the big leagues, 2012 last year playing. Um, I was just having this discussion with one of my older clients. I said, I think I'm a lot better hitter now <laughs> than I was then as far as in the fact that now that, you know, doing, doing my lessons, you know, I'm, you know, each player is unique in how they swing the bat, how they field the ball. Um, And it's getting me to learn more, actually learn more, expand my mind a little bit on the hitting, uh, especially on the hitting side. Right. And really understanding that the the actual approach that I had then is the right approach. You know, Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, I am more so much more confident now in the approach that I have. Um, and the approach that I'm teaching, you know, my clients, um, then I was—I I think—then I was when I was playing. Isn't that I mean, amazing? It, too it bad, is. Too yeah. bad
0: you didn't know a lot of things. For yes. Life. Yes. Maybe about <laughs> girls and women. For me, anything. You know what I mean? But isn't isn't that something? Although. How about when you go live to a major league game and you're watching these pitchers and they're throwing 98 miles an hour and with movement? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the hard part, though, right? Uh, I when know, you see- I
1: know. But when I like, especially like when I go to a game, but it usually it's be the Rays game. Uh, man, I just get mowed. You know, there's so many things that come back, and the way I prepare, what I'm looking for when I go to new different stadiums, what I'm looking at. Really? I'm looking at so many different things. There's so much information that that's available on that field. One that I didn't know about, but I was taught by my mentors. You know, my the older players, um, you know, about how to look look for information. You mean, like, you know, I was. There's information everywhere, and, and a lot of it's on paper. A lot of it's through the numbers with the analytics with all these. You know, with all the organizations putting more and more money in their budget for analytics. Um, you know, but the information is out there, you know, and you know i like I was telling you uh, um, before that yeah you know i i i can I need to do my own scouting reports, you know, I need to do my own information, yes, not to say that the information that I get isn't credible it's absolutely credible, but I mean i can only I can use that information as long as mine
0: right right um I'm sorry y- uh you were an interesting you're an interesting story just real briefly you know coming out of high school you were drafted i believe four four different times into major league baseball and you kept turning it down and you went to JUCO and of course you're in the University of Miami Hurricanes you're in the Hall of Fame what a career, career. but most guys they get the chance like oh i'm getting drafted okay i'm going uh, you, was it like just like a confidence, knowing that you would get better in college, and just to not to not do that, to say it's no? Funny, funny
1: you say that. So I was drafted four out of the possible five times that I could get drafted.
0: Oh, they you didn't know, cut including it off at so five? after
1: my senior year in high school, you get one, and then uh, I went to junior college, so I was able to be junior uh, drafted after my first year and my second year. Whereas, suppose I go to D1 school, it would have been junior year and uh, my senior year. Got it. So, I was able to, um, yeah, getting drafted. I mean, I got drafted out of high school, and I wasn't even being recruited by D1. I oh, yeah, mean, but- I look now, because, I mean, some of my older players that are getting ready to go into college or looking for different colleges, you know, I'm able to, I'm helping them now, and as far as on what to look for, what are scouts looking for. I can easily be a college coach. What would I look for in a player? Um, you know, and, and it's not a lot of. It's not just baseball. It's you know your family. You know your academics, especially number one academics.
0: I was told that because if surprised. you don't make
1: the grades, you're not playing. And why would I waste a spot on my team if you can't make the grades? Interesting. You know, I, talent. I can find talent. Talent. There's a lot more talent available now. Uh, I think kids in general are getting, uh, there's overall the the coaches are getting smarter, especially the, um, you know, the, the, the weight trainers, the, um, the speed coaches, they're getting a lot smarter. Kids are getting a lot better uh, earlier. Um, so I'm not worried about talent. I see. I'm not worried about talent. I can walk down Dan Mabry here and find some talent. Now. The, the, does the player would the player have the grades would he be able to handle the college curriculum as well as playing baseball so things like that you know and then back to the um, uh, the Not, draft yeah. you know I've been drafted four times of the possible five and yes I it was one it was that just what you said I felt that I could get better And I know my best year was my first year at Miami, my junior year at University of Miami. It was my best year statistically. Uh, End up getting drafted in the 15th round by the Cardinals. And for some reason, I have no idea how I thought this, but I was like, I was mad about the draft round. You know, here I am. I just thought that I deserved better. But then then I started thinking, I'm like, well, Am I really that? Am I really that good? You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I can be better. Uh-huh. I know I can be better. Plus, I get another year of school, and um, I was able to. It was tough to turn it down because it was disheartening. That's usually your your year that, uh, as a, as a player, you get your you know your um, uh, your best negotiation power is your junior year, um, and I knew going into my senior year. I'm not going to have that negotiation power, but it didn't really, bo- it didn't really bother me mm-hmm. because I just know I can get better. I know that was going to get another year of school in me. Um, and I didn't think I was mentally mature enough, physically mature enough I was, but mentally mature enough to take the next step to start playing professional ball with that grind of minor league baseball, which I had no idea. You know, I had no idea of the grind until I got into it. And I'm like, whoa, this was a, a heck of a grind. Um, that i just wouldn't i didn't think i was mentally mature enough to take that next step yet and I, I don't know how i thought that i don't know how i was mentally mature enough to think that yeah no it's but yet, incredible you know look back and go on i'm glad i i mean i wouldn't have done anything different coming up especially going to a great high school tampa jesuit high school nationally ranked we were nationally ranked when my senior year in high school uh you know and going out you're, of you're, you're kind of destined to go to a, a bigger school or, right. you know, the academic, the, you know, the amount of pressure they put on you with the academics. Um, you know, I end up going to junior college and it was very, very humbling, but I would not done anything different. Isn't that so something- If I would have went to D1, I would have sat the bench, most likely. Right. That's a little bit different with position players and pitchers. To me, pitchers can step right in. You know and throw an inning here or you know be a specialty guy or maybe even mix in a start you know during the week uh whereas a position player I mean those guys you know they're they're out there every day it's just different to me it's just a little bit different but uh position player wise I wouldn't have played so I would have sat I mean yeah I would have sat the bench and had to wait my time
0: so you get in the minors and you make the moves you know you keep going mm-hmm. up and i know you were are you in the aren't you in the fighting phil's hall? Yeah. You're another hall of fame you're yeah, in two the, hall of Fames. the
1: dub, double a and the and tampa Judge. <laughs> and to, oh
0: no three and then you're in the oh, and,
1: and junior college <laughs> no four yeah
0: oh my god unbelievable four hall of fames i've never talked to anybody <laughs> four hall of fames was there ever a time at all uh, that, you know, waned in confidence or any, you know, the, the that, like I said, that grind. And probably you saw so many guys not make it, as you know. Or no, or no. You were always confident. You knew you were going to make it. How about that?
1: Funny you say that. I was just talking to one of my other uh, older clients as well, too, about that, that when I got to the, to the minor leagues, so out of Miami, I ended up signing it to in, with the Phillies and going to their short season, which is usually for a lot of college guys because the season – uh, you know, typically uh, minor leagues start April 1st, just like major leagues. Um, the draft is in June. So I end up signing and going, and it starts middle of June is the, uh, the short season. Now they don't have the short season now. I think they've done away with it. Right. Anyways, uh, I end up going there, and I was the fourth round pick. So, quote, unquote, I was supposed to be the, the highest drafted player or the best player. I mean, whatever you want to say it. I promptly got my butt handed to me. Quickly, wow. I uh, I think I was gosh I might have been like twelve or one twenty or maybe even worse than that. All I know is I remember looking on the scoreboard later in the season and it said point zero eight four, mm-hmm. no home runs, four RBIs, Ooh, see and you want I mean, it was um, very I, I, another humbling experience. It was an adversity that I haven't really went through yet, um, and I I just. I don't know. I just kept grinding. I just kept staying positive. You know, they're flying. The Phillies are flying down different uh, minor league corner, hitting coordinators to come. And nobody can really figure it out. You know, I'm just like, hey, just keep going. And uh, I end up turning like August 2nd, I think. I end up hitting my first home run in the, in professionally. And it was a grand slam. And I end up just, I mean, going on a tear that month. Nice. What, it, what it was, I have no idea. Baseball. You know, wow. what? yeah, exactly. Wow. And, you know, I look back on it and I tell my clients as well, especially my older ones. I say, guys, I, I mean, if I had an organization, I would want all of my players to go through some kind of adversity. And you would think some, but they usually do because guys don't hit over 500. They don't hit over 400, really. So there's, you're always going through some adversity, even if you're playing well. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just went through a prolonged period. I'm uh, not to say I want all my players to go through that, but you never know what kind of get. You don't ever know what kind of player you have, and I think that's hard for hard for scouts when they get guys in the organization. It's also hard for player development to to try to figure that out. That's why you have, to me, I think, the value of having mentor. I mean, you have your coaches, but I think specialty coaches. Like I was telling you, after 2013, so my first year not playing, the Nationals hired me as a player coach for the minor leagues. But it was basically, they wanted me to be a kind of a mentor rover. So going with all six of their minor league teams, Really assisting the coaching staff, but really being with the players, talking to them about their approaches—whether it's hitting, whether it's base running, whether it's defense—it's um, just you know how to prepare. A lot of psychological things, a lot of things that I would think of mental skills, uh, you know, a mental skills—you know—a coordinator would would do, uh, even though I wasn't, you know, qual- school qualified for that as right. far as in playing. I was. I felt I was that I, you know, I played at the highest level. I was a starter in one of my, you know, ten years. Um, but I had to use my mind. I had to use my approach. It didn't come to me as easy as it comes to some of these guys, right? You know, and I had to. If if my if my approach, whether it was hitting, base running, defense, just in general, the game um, game situations. If my approach wasn't on, then. I would have easily got past. I mean, like, like I said, talent. So there's talent. not a problem.
0: Yeah, talent is
1: everywhere. And I think nowadays the talent in the minor leagues are just just incredible. I mean, I've played with and against guys that are superstar, superstar guys that either either you know you know either got hurt and wasn't able to rebound from it, or they couldn't handle. The, the peaks and the valleys of this game, and they stayed in the valley too long. I see. You know, that the, makes the, sense. You know, the, the, the highs and the lows of this game, and this is baseball. And we specifically talk about hitting, but hitting, you're great if you hit 300.
0: Right. It right. doesn't you matter fail, what level. Right. I don't care what level. percent of the time. How about when you get to AAA? Is that when it starts like, when am I going to get called up? Are you following what's going on in the, your position with the Phillies, the parent club? Or were you able to still just stay focused yeah. and play?
1: The uh it's really double A because you double could get call, you could get called up from double A as well too. Right, I didn't think obviously I didn't think I was ready in double A. I had a good uh, a good season in double A, but triple A was okay. Hey,
0: uh-huh.
1: now I'm really paying attention. to What's going on up there? Um, you know, you start hearing buzz and stuff, and hearing that, and. I, can't, I bet you nowadays it's even worse. I bet oh. you there's the information is imagine? so much with social media imagine. and just the different outlets of information that, that are out there, um, which is tough. I mean, I, in a, every player has to g- deal with it. I mean, when they get up to the big leagues, you know, everything is on TV. Everything is magnified, whether it's good or it's bad. It doesn't matter. It's magnified. And if you go up there, and I've seen a lot of guys that gone up and they got their taste of the big leagues – maybe came back whatever you uh-huh. know the reason was and then just really couldn't make it back up uh-huh. you know sometimes uh-huh. it depends on their organization
0: got it what was it like when you got the call and how did that happen and what was that like
1: yeah so i was in aaa it was we had a sunday day game same time as the, as the big league um Uh, game was one o'clock triple a was one o'clock as well this day my triple a was in scranton wilkesboro pennsylvania which is now the yankees this is and when i was with the phillies right and which was about i I, you can't quote me i can't remember because it was somewhat of a blur but how far of the drive from scranton to to Philly was i I can't remember yeah yeah and i remember my manager bringing me in who lives here in tampa by the way now (laughs) Or actually, he did before. Really? I didn't know that. And uh, he told me that, hey, you're going up. You know, <sighs> somebody got hurt. And uh, the way, you know, like it's almost like, are you being serious? <laughs> are you telling me the truth here? Because, he, like, it, you you always hope for it. And you, you know, you have all this stuff in your mind when it's like to get called up. It's like, man, don't play with my emotions <laughs> right now. So we end up getting called up. Um, and I just put as much stuff as I could in my car and took off. Wow. Ended up Philly. getting a speeding ticket on the way. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't really mind. It was, I was okay. I was, I told, I even told the officer, was like, I just caught, he was just like, hey, you know, good luck with everything. Here's your ticket. He still gave you the same ticket.
0: Oh, yeah. man. Maybe he wasn't a Phillies fan or something.
1: <laughs> but, um, Uh, End up, end up getting to the game uh, in the sixth inning. Didn't know how to get into the stadium. Never been there before. Right. You know, I'm asking. You know, security guards and random. You know, fans and like, how do you get in here? I have no idea. Where where do the players park? (laughs) Was (laughs) it the vet? Was it the vet? At the vet. Okay. Oh. And uh, end up getting in there, seeing my my name and my number on my jersey hanging in my locker was. I mean, it was really, it was surreal. Uh, End up getting dressed as quick as I could. Got down, you know. Said hi to the coaching staff. Said hi to all, you know the players. I mean, we were in the middle of the game. Oh we were playing. God. We were playing the Cubs. And Larry Boa was my manager, and he he says, "All right, uh, you're going to be hit here in the 7th. So I mean, if my if my heart rate was 150, it was probably a good 250 then.
0: I'm getting goosebumps now. <laughs>
1: yeah, and uh, end up getting there. I, everything was happening so fast; well, it really bet. was. You know w- what a day that was. Um,
0: What'd you do with the iPad, you?
1: Struck out. Okay. I faced Todd Van Poppel. I remember him. And um, yeah, good hard throwing righty. I remember he. I remember him throwing me a slider, and I was like, "Oh, that's a good pitch to hit." and I overswung. In which I talk about to my kids now. You can't overswing my older kids, not yeah. the younger ones, but the older ones. You know, talk about not overswinging. But at the time, I just I, I, I got to get this first swing out of the way and end up striking out. I, I, I think I was number five, either the fifth or sixth strikeout in a row. Like oh. he, oh, he was, he on. was, he was just on it. He was dealing. And the way I came up was with the umpires is, hey Rook, swing the bat or I'm going to call it a strike.
0: Just like that?
1: You, I mean, that just that was kind of the older school uh-huh. way, you know. And it would be the same thing as a pitcher, like, "Hey, Rook, if you want to strike, you got to throw it. You, you better throw it over the middle." You know, like you need to earn. You got to earn your way up there, and that's OPS. how I was taught. I see. And I had two mentors, two older players. One was the guy that I got called up for. He got hurt, um, and I just—I mean, what invaluable invaluable information and learning how to be a major leaguer uh, learning how to respect the game even more you know you know understand that the people that did it in front of you you know you'd be wanted you to continue to this you know continue this yeah. you know basically shut your mouth keep your eyes and your ears open play hard wow and that's you know I mean that's the the you know, my parents instilled it, that into me but I was able to put that into play, and that's when the older guys will start. Oh, hey, Michael's come back here, you know, and talk to you for a minute about something, or you know, I just J Mike, listen. J Mike, right? yeah. Well, they didn't call me J Mike oh, they yet. They didn't. They did Okay. <laughs> okay. I had to, I had, it's, everything to me, I felt like you have to earn. You know, and and just it, the way the the game has evolved nowadays, you know, and yeah. um, and I don't see the older, the older, the veteran guy anymore. You know, I mean, there's just so much talent. Like I said, there's so much talent. And all these organizations right now that, you know, it's like any business. I mean, you, you produce, you stay. If you don't, you're gone. We get somebody else.
0: Now, you, uh, you say business. What was it like the first time that you got traded? You're a human being. And I know it's major leagues and you know it's business. But, I, you know, what, is, what does that was, this feel
1: like? That was tough. Um, it was tough. I got traded my fifth year in the big leagues. Uh, to Cleveland, uh, it was for Arthur Rhodes and Coco Crisp. There was like a three-team trade. I think it was the, the Phillies, the Indians, and the A's. Gotcha. Um, and you're right. It was um, it was tough because all my firsts are with Philly, and people ask me that. And you know, man, like if anything, Philly is the one that I had all my firsts with. And the, the way they treat their you know their veteran players. Is you know it's top notch. Not all, not every organization. Not saying that it's wrong or, or you know or right either way. It doesn't matter. It's just the way Philly does with their their ex players, and um, I mean it didn't matter how much time you have either. It's a little bit of time or a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know they really take care of their players. They really do. And. Um, what,
0: is it a call? Is it your agent? Is it the skip that tells you, or uh, how does that work when you're traded? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everybody. It was my but, agent. Oh, it's really that's how it yeah, was? Yeah, it
1: was my uh, agent, and to? I was kind of a, somewhat expecting it because okay. it was about you know some, You know, there's just stuff that goes on, and it just yeah, it was tough having to go to a new organization. You know, learn everybody over there. Some guys that I played with before or against that uh, that I knew, but it was it was definitely different. Um, but as with anything, hey, look, you get used to it, and break. You know, put yourself in it, and let's go. You know, let's go. Let's let's try to get. Let's try to hit the ground running here. You know, they wanted I me. Mean, that's when I started the left field every day. It's two thousand six. Um, so.
0: It's nice when you got that one spot. You know you know yeah. every day when your name's going to be in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So then towards this, so you have a good career. You're on a couple different teams. Mm-hmm. I think at the end, wasn't the Washington Nationals like a so that, minor league deal? I, I, I
1: missed – this was 2012. I missed making the team right at it was the last cut. Right, It was between me and another guy. Mm-hmm. It was. I think it was, I was a righty and there was a lefty, and they stayed to go with the lefty. Um, And then I end up accepting to go into AAA. A to go to their AAA, i i'm like all right let me go down let me keep working here i don't
0: so your mindset was still okay
1: yeah just it sometimes was still okay being in
0: the bigs that long and then going it was back, tough it okay. was
1: tough i mean you just something you got to deal with you know and it is what it is and i, I didn't want to be negative my like, hey, stay positive and keep going i mean i'm a good player i mean i'm telling i gotta tell myself this um and just kind of go with it and it, it it was it was a rocky one it was tough i was going through some stuff but, gotcha life yeah and um it it was it was tough but you know i think i ended up retiring 2 months later and they asked me back they were like hey we'd love to have you just move your stuff from the players locker room to the coaches locker room and would you be up for that and i'm like well let me go think about it and, you uh-huh. know and i'm like yeah you know, and, and it took pressure off and I really got a chance to talk with players, you know, especially after, you know, either before something happened in the game or what to expect or maybe after something like thinking like I'm asking the I know the answer. I just don't want to tell them the answer. I want them to tell me I'm going to ask you some questions. And that's a lot of like what I do nowadays. With especially my my older clients, I, I do.
0: Um, is that what sets you uh, apart on what you're doing now? For those that don't know, here in Tampa, it's it's obviously it's the skills, mm-hmm. but it's more the mental approach. And just listening, and you've been listening to this whole interview, you can tell that's a big thing with you.
1: Absolutely, the mental
0: part, and uh, that uh, that's what maybe sets is. you a little bit apart. You think from these others?
1: It, it does. Is- I mean, I I know that that I'm the only one that's really doing this. You know, I remember when I started to do this, I went around to the coaches and let them know, hey, you know, my name's Jason Michaels. I'm starting my own, the big league approach. I'm going to train, you know, hitters and, and fielders. Um, you know, and a lot of what I do, not only the physical, but it's also the mental side, the approach side. It's funny that I got some of the coaches would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we do that. <laughs> and I already knew the answer to that. I mean, I, I remember, I, I felt like I really, and it's no offense to any of my coaches. I mean, when you're a coach, you have, you're have you in charge of the team. You know, there's a lot of guys on the team to charge. That's why I really enjoy doing the one-on-one. I really do. And I do do group, I'll, I'll do group um, or team practices as well. But a lot of what I do is the one-on-one, and I really like to involve my parents as well too so they can hear and they can continue You know, and and a lot of times, some of the parents are saying the exact same things, but the kid just doesn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it (laughs) when we're teenagers, you know. And right, um, but you know, the parents are going to be around. You know, the kids a heck of a lot more than me. But if there's a way, and plus, two years or four or four years or six years are better than two. You know, I know that the kids and I was the same way. I only listened to so much, and then Uh (laughs) you know, having my parents there to really listen. And understand kind of what I'm, you know, what the coach is talking about.
0: That's nice. Uh, Just real quickly, just on a name or two, maybe like the most talented guy you were ever around. I mean, everybody at at the major league level is so good. I remember when you came on radio with us and you were talking about when Bryce Harper came in. There was so much expectations high. Remember in Sports Illustrated and the chosen one at a high school kid? And he has come through. What, what what did you see when he came in well he was basically the rookie wasn't he was so he there?
1: was my last year playing 2012 there that first couple of months before he got called up to the nats his first time he was with us in triple a okay and um he was there for a little bit uh-huh and i think i was coaching me i'm trying to th- i'm trying i can't sure. exactly remember which day yeah that he got called up and got called up for good um But he was, yeah, I mean, just different. The way the ball came off the bat was different. Interesting. Um, The demeanor. I mean, here, I think he was 19 at the time. And I'm just going, wow. I mean, just so young, but but so mentally mature. You know, physically, yes, he's got it physically. But but the mental side, the mental, just to see that. And I remember hitting behind him one game, and he hit a – normal ground ball to the left fielder. I think the shortstop was playing him uh pull, so playing him, you know, closer to second base, but he just hit a normal straight up ground ball to the left fielder and he busted it out of the box and got a double. And how I almost called time right there and ran out and hugged him. How Just because that? you just, like, seeing that and seeing that from a younger player with all this hype, you know, that doesn't feel that he's entitled, that did it, I mean, it's just, it's like you're just Mouths were open, like what he, did he just do? I mean, here's this guy, the you know this this hype, this whole thing. I mean, number one pick and all this stuff, and he just did that right there. It just impressed me so much.
0: I was real you impressed. Know? He did his uh, when he did, traded to the Phillies in uh, where they have spring training now. Mm-hmm. He had a press conference there. His dad was there. He looked like Macho Man yeah. Savage, and it was I was just really really impressed though, really impressed. Like you know how he is with all the. You know, all the hype, you know what I mean? And they even had the Sports Illustrated. They had it hanging behind him, and all this when he was a kid and all that. Um, So it sounds like you love what you do. I do. I can't imagine you doing anything else. Do you think? uh, Well, I mean, this is is what
1: I know and I enjoy, you know, and what really drives me here is when either a player or a, a parent will text and, say you know something that their son or their daughter because i also do softball that they did something you know in the game you know and it's and it's all them has nothing i have nothing to do with it it was them that they came in here and they did the work and they went out and executed that to me like i just i show my wife like look at this text message or look at that i'm like that's it i mean that's just a big smile like it just makes my day
0: that's great, man. I can see the, your smile here. which we had this on your video, and I'd show your smile. I'll take a picture, too. So it's Jason Michaels, Big League Approach.
1: Mm-hmm. The, bigleagueapproach. the big, dot com.
0: There you go. TheBigLeagueApproach.com in Tampa, Florida, the great Philly. And, and you still remember, everybody remembers he has a Philly, right? Maybe Indians, too. Yeah, and, Indians. Be, yeah, you know, a little bit. I know. remember playing against the
1: Rays here, you know. A couple of years, I didn't do so well in this stadium. Probably just too much pressure I put on myself. To, sure, sure. You know, here you see my where you, you know, like where the players from, and it says Tampa, Florida. Just get booed out of the stadium. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You know, I don't. I Maybe mean, I would think I was hardened up a little bit in Philly. You know, and I bet
0: um, Jim Fergosi, God rest his soul, he was a Philadelphia Phillies manager mm-hmm. and player and all that, and he was a. Like a scout or whatever it was. Anyway, he would be up in the trop uh, later years, you know, and I would see him. And he was great. And he goes, you know what? I'd be driving, and I'd be listening to WIP, and they're talking about me. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I'd call up, and I'd give them shit. And I'd say, but, but when they're, you know, here they are saying your decisions. He goes, oh, I loved it. I guess you have to have that approach, right? When do, things are going about, especially and I, in Philly. And I
1: think he'd probably enjoy, like, I, I mean... Like I was talking to, I, I know exactly what he's saying, and I was talking to a, a client and a dad and the other day. I said, look, I said, the, the games, this. we all see the game, but the way I process it, the way you do, the way you do is, I mean, we can learn from each other. Just because, It doesn't matter age or skill level or how long you've played. I mean, your perception that maybe there's something I can learn from you. I, mean, I, I did that with my teammates as well. You know, I'm always trying to learn. This game's hard. <laughs> it's right. a kid's game, but it's hard. I mean, it, it's hard to hit. I mean, I'd love to hit a thousand, <laughs> but I mean, when you're hitting and your 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 negative results are more than the positive results, I mean, that's a, this the fascinating part.
0: There was uh, they had a thing. Um, <clears throat> it was like a a ceremony. For great players, oh, the Ted Williams Hitters Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. and and one year I was covering it, and what's his name? He played Biggio, yeah, and he was there, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm so stinking old. I remember when you came out of Seton Hall, New Jersey, and he was a catcher. Mm -hmm. He ended up, how about that, going from a catcher to second base, and ended up being so good. And I said, I said, understand your son's playing now. Now, This is a couple of years ago, and his son, and he goes, people don't understand how hard." Major League Baseball this baseball this game is they don't understand and I was like that's interesting man and here's a guy that had so much success Mm -hmm. isn't that something Mm -hmm. you know
1: 3,000 hits or yeah yeah I think so and I remember I remember you know playing defense against him especially when I was in left field he was he pulled the ball all the time I mean, I would play so far to. I, I remember it. I mean, I, I could see it. Isn't that song? I mean, I, I always did it, anyways. Even though, like I said, I was a starter in one of my ten years, but a lot of it, I was the fourth outfielder. So I was usually the first guy off, you know, the bench. Whether it's a, you know, a double switch, um, or or I just pinch it, and then it was a double switch. You know, whatever it was, right. or defensively later in the game. I mean, always did my homework. I wanted to make sure I didn't – I don't know. I just felt – I didn't want the coach telling me what, where to play. I feel like I want to – like, when you put me in there, yeah. you're not losing anything.
0: That's good. You want to be prepared. That's what I, I – nice I, you know,
1: I, that what's kind of drove me a little bit. Like, okay, since I'm not starting, when you put me in there, you're not losing anything. That's great. You know, I, I don't know. I was just kind of the way that I, that I played, and so I took pride in my preparation – you know and how I prepared and, and I learned a lot it was learning in Philly you know learning from the veteran guys um, you know how to prepare and, and obviously nowadays even my last year playing 2011 10 years later there's so much more information now yeah I mean you can yeah. get it I mean, if you need information you got it yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah you know I mean every organization and I mean that's just a tribute to their you know always expanding, you know, now with all the analytics and everything like that, right? There's just, there's information everywhere, but I mean, I just don't want players to go away from their own, doing their own scouting as well, too.
0: That's great. We could learn in life with you. Jason Michaels, the big league approach. Jason, thank you so much. No, Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. So we go now from baseball. Many baseball players spend a lot of time in bars you have a lot of downtime, you know. Uh, baseball, like Jason said, there it's a grind when you're playing day to day. Now, 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 I know you may have a job that you can't stand, and it sucks, and your boss sucks, and you work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Yes, to play a child's game baseball, it is wonderful. But there's a lot of pressure to keep going or you ain't going to have that great gig and it is an everyday day-to-day thing I remember a couple of years back we I was playing on a uh, amateur baseball team and the catcher that we just got had been released from the Pittsburgh Pirates and triple A. he was a triple-A. he was in with the big league club in in spring training he's going back years bake and he, got, he had a hitting facility and he was doing instructions a little bit similar to what the big league approach, what Jason is doing. Although Jason's more mental, that's what he teaches the approach. But anyway, a lot of these former major leaguers have hitting facilities and they'll do the training with you. You know, you can get trained by a former professional player. And uh, so he was doing that, but he hadn't played. And then he kind of missed playing and we had a real good amateur team. And one of the guys on the team asked him, boom, he came. And it was great because I was pitching. I'm like, wow, I'm pitching to a catcher that just was in Triple A. Like when you're an amateur, man, that's kind of cool. And I remember he, we played a doubleheader. This is back in Jersey, New Jersey. We played a doubleheader. Doubleheaders are only seven innings. And then we drank beer afterwards. We parted, and he was like, wow, I'm starting to get sore now. And the next week, you play once a week, usually when you're playing in men's leagues, amateur leagues. And I remember he said, I was so sore for two days. And he goes, it's so funny because when he played in professional baseball, you're playing every single day. You don't get sore, but you got to go through that stage. So it it is a grind. And, and, you know, when they're on the road, man, what else else are you going to do? You're a young guy. You probably go to the bar. So I, I know a lot of you frequent bars have in the past, and I thought that would be, this would be a great segment. So the segment is called Bar No-No's. He's a tap room manager, craft beer joint, indoor, outdoor, beautiful, safety harbor called the Crooked Thumb. His name is Damon. So I hope you enjoy this. It's not long. It's about 10 minutes. This is, this is the first segment of this. Bar No-No's with my man, Damon. All right, Damon, my man, Damon. Give you, give us a little background. I, I called you a bartender, beer expert, and you pretty much have run the gamut. Give us a little brief background in the bar business for you, buddy. Okay, um, I started out in college
2: at Chili's, so I was kind of formally trained at a you know, a chain restaurant by real management team, you know, where they had structured management and structured training. Uh, so I learned a lot about, you know, drink building and, uh, you know, how to, how to formally present yourself to a customer there. Um, and then when I moved to Florida, I kind of jumped into the smaller bar scene cause I went to Michigan state. And my ultimate goal was to, uh, own my own bar down here in Florida. Uh, I've had a few fall through, maybe maybe more
0: than a few. Really, you didn't you didn't already make a million dollars in the first try? Really, Man, it didn't work out like uh,
2: that? Not not exactly. <laughs> I'm working towards that million now. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, so I kind of jumped into the smaller bar scene to learn how to operate. You know, a more mom and pop establishment. Okay. Uh, from the inside. And, uh, have been, you know, bouncing around ever since to d- different venues. I've done uh banquet bartending. I've done fine dining. I've done, you know, the mom and pop, the, the dive bar, if you will, um, breweries, my current location, um, which I do like cause there's no food involved. Right. It's a lot easier when you're just serving a beverage and not having to worry about, you know, did the food come out properly? Did, you know, stuff that's out of your hands as a, as
0: a bartender. You also have worked too when they had the, like the packed nights in places, was that back in Jackson's? Like you've also <laughs> dealt with that when it's two, three deep For being sure. a bartender. So uh, you've
2: 10 deep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've uh, basically uh, Jackson's, sometimes they were doing a hundred thousand dollar nights on Fridays, which is absurd. Uh, eight bartenders behind one bar. You have a line for four solid hours. Um, if you have to go to the bathroom, you, your line just has to wait.
0: (laughs) All right, let's start with that. Let's start with a really, really crowded bar. I mean, we're, we're on that path now to starting to get back to that. And you're in a place like that. What is the number one thing not to do? If you're a patron, there's a lot of people there. You gotta get your drink. What's the number one thing that you really don't do? Man, just have
2: patience. Uh, you can only wait on so many people at a time. One one person at a time, really. You know, uh, one person can order multiple drinks. So if you, you just have patience, and your your bartender will get to you. Your server will get to you. As long as uh, they're not ignoring you, you can see the eye contact. You can see they're busy. Uh, just have a little patience. Um, and you'll be taken care of
0: well, and probably <laughs> a little happier. Now, how do you deal with somebody that comes in, and you can kind of tell that they're they might even be past the limit of having a buzz? How do you how do you handle that situation, man? Um, I mean, that can probably get testy. It, it depends on the person.
2: Some. Right. Sometimes, uh, what I train my bartenders to do, and it's the opposite of what you normally would train somebody to do is you kind of ignore them. If you can tell that they've, they've already have a buzz and they're ordering a drink and they're on their phone and they're like, Hey, let me get another one. Uh, if you push them off and wait on multiple other people first, sometimes it just alleviates itself. The situation alleviates itself. You don't have to deal with it. Um, we will still keep an eye on them and make sure they're not driving. Of course, uh, Uber's amazing in that respect. Now we don't have to, you know, make sure they have a cab. Oh, Uber I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, so a lot of people have Uber accounts on their phones that we can just have them, you know, Hey, can you just pull up Uber? For, are you, are you driving by chance? Oh no, I'm Uber. Oh, no. can you pull it up for me? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're safely home at that point. Um, other times I just have the bartender give them a water and tell them, you know, they order a beer and I'll have the bartender give them a water and say, here you go, it's missing a few ingredients and kind of make a joke out of it. So oh, that's, that's to not make that person feel awkward right, uh, in the position. Um, and sometimes if they're on really, you just have to eat it and you have to cut them off and tell them why. And they're usually angry about it. Right. But most of the time they just walk away at the
0: end you you with your experience i'm i'm assuming you've been able to uh you can kind of see it can you see when there's uh when somebody's coming in is going to be kind of trouble you can feel it david you've been doing it so long most of the time and it It's weird sometimes because
2: of uh, other things that people take that I don't know about before they even get to the bar. They could have taken a a pill or uh, smoked or multiple other things. And I serve, they seem fine right away. And you serve them one drink and the combo hits. And the next thing you know, you're dealing with, you know, somebody passing out the bar and you only served them one drink and they were talking just fine five minutes ago. Uh, so you really, with the, uh, some of the pills and other drugs involved, uh, sometimes you don't know what happened before they came into your establishment and they might not seem drunk. They might not be showing drunkness, but that pill you know, you drink one beer and it could it could be like four beers because of the, you know, uh, Xanax that you took before you came in or I'm whatever. I'm just
0: thinking of a story at, at uh, the last place that you were at, craft beer bar, nice establishment, clientele nice. Yeah, An yeah. older lady, I yeah. mean older, came in and she ended up puking in the bathroom. I said, what's that? And you said the majority of people that are old take medication. Right.
2: And they might not know how that alcohol affects their medication they 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 may inadvertently be doing it or some of them might be like kids that i you know younger kids will take a a a drug to enhance another drug so i mean who's to say that adults don't take advantage of that as well um so you really do have to be careful as a bartender because it's really your ass you know
0: Uh, what about somebody that is being like belligerent, not even with the, you know, uh, whether the alcohol is there, they're just an asshole. They're just an asshole. When do you step in? When do you, when it affects, when it's looking like it's
2: affecting other people? Immediately. When you, when you see somebody that you think is going to run out other business, you got to get them out of there right away as a business owner or business manager, bartender or whatever whatever your role is, you got to, you got to make that call right away. They're going to scare off, you know, a guy that might be his first time in there. He might be a customer that's going to come back time. And he loved it. Love the beer, love the food. This asshole was (laughs) yelling in my ear the whole time at a Lions game for no reason. Uh, you gotta get him out. Whatever the case is, I mean, you just gotta make the decision. Uh, if that one person that's mad is gonna be worth the fifteen people that were super stoked that you got that guy out of the bar for him, that's probably the better call to me. Is to make those fifteen people happy than to make that one drunk guy, you know, happy that may not ever remember his time there. To begin. <laughs> right, right,
0: right. Would I even go? Where did I go last night? What about? Right is there times in your experiences where there have been women girls that have been as bad if not worse than a man <laughs> you just assume oh it's a jag off guy huh
2: absolutely and the the girls are harder to deal with than the guys because they'll they seem to continue it on a little longer than than the gentleman will the the gentleman will get you know angry they'll get pissed right away kind of mellows out and goes on his way a woman uh will tend to get uh mostly they, they tend to take it on a little farther so i've had some interesting uh, and you can't you can't are not supposed to really touch him huh? right exactly there one so. that
0: actually jumped over a the bar at you
2: <laughs> i did Threw a beer in my face it was amazing what <laughs> what yeah over uh being cut off yeah yeah <laughs> jumped across the bar threw a beer in my face i had to have uh my female cook escort her out of the of the building because i didn't want to put my hand i didn't I want it see. to turn you got to be careful yeah huh? yeah 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 for sure
0: all right listen his name is damon cornelius i call him my bartender bar expert and we're gonna do plenty of these damon are we not buddy Sounds like a plan to me. There's plenty to talk about. Oh, my God. Until next time, my man, Damon, the bar expert. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that. You enjoyed that? Enjoy that? Now, he's got some good stories, man. He's waited on some big names. Uh, We'll get into tipping. That's another thing. How much do you tip when you go to a bar? Uh, a lot of different stuff. So we'll uh, we'll continue with the content and up this podcast to bring you more and more and more and more. Uh what do I want to end on today? Oh, you know what? There's these, you know, there's a lot of no hitters. I every expert's got their take on it, you know. It's the launch angle, guys are swinging for the fences. I do think that the pitchers are just they're arms, man. I mean, they're throwing. It used to be rare when someone threw 98 or 99 or 100 miles an hour. That was rare. You see that like consistently in the nineties and some of them and the movement, you know, they're just good. I just hope that they don't lower the mound. Don't mess with it. You know what I mean? It'll somehow it will even out you know, hitters got to work more, man. And you know, maybe you do change the launch angle or something like that. Um, Don Mattingly, who I actually covered when he was with the Yankees, Don Mattingly from the, uh, the the skipper for the Marlins, he thinks it's not good for the game. He's like, it's it's if you're in the stands for that game, it's exciting. Especially you get down the seventh inning, everybody starts buzzing, you know, and like, wow, that guy's got a no no. You know, it's really great for that pitcher and for that team. But overall it's not really good for the game. You want to see hits, you want to see some, you know, some scoring, you know what I mean? But again, you know, sometimes sometimes it's just like, "All right, well that's that's what it is right now. Let's not change the game and please don't lower the mound." One last thing that I want to admit to you to give you a little something something from me. Now, I love doing this podcast. I try to keep upbeat. I got nothing to complain about. I'm healthy. My family is healthy. We're doing fine. I, the one thing during all of this now, the thing that I am kind of, kind of struggling with is I miss day to day being at either a TV station or a radio station and day to day content. You know, some people, there was a stretch when I first, many, many years ago, I was on a uh, sports TV magazine show. What is that? It's a a half hour show where there were only three stories in that. You know, for a news program like maybe a 48 Hours, you've seen a 48 Hours, um, some of these crime stories where they'll focus in an hour on maybe three, two, sometimes even one particular story, a murder story, who done it, you know, a real life thing. Some people love working on projects like that where it takes you weeks and then you and you have that one story and it's a long storytelling thing. That wasn't me, man. I, uh, I like the day today. What do we got today? Now we're done today. Tomorrow's a new day. And I've done that pretty much my whole life and I miss it. I honestly miss it. And I'll tell you this, now that I see that uh, when they had the minicamp for the Bucks and they opened it up and it's, you know, wow, like there was actual an interview with Bruce Arians in person standing there or being able to be there and from a distance and watch practice far away. There was tears last year. I w- wasn't high enough in a tier, and you got to get you know, those that were in that first tier and had to be, uh, you know, uh, tested every day and blah, 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 it was really tight. And I understand, I understand, I understand with the pandemic, but I just miss it. I miss being out and covering a team and getting the inside scoop from different people. You know, I miss it. And that's one of the things that I'm having a hard time getting used to. You know, I'll be honest with you. So we'll see, we'll see. But all in all, I mean, health is everything. And as I've gotten older, the more that have passed away, and I'm not talking about in the 80s and in the 90s, I'm talking about guys that I worked alongside of that are my age or younger that have passed. And I started going down the list the other day and I'm like, holy shit. So just you know, really try, man, to enjoy. Try to live every day. Oh, you know what? I, I'll end with this. I'll end with this. Let me end on a on a on a positive note. I was out visiting Damon, who did Bard No Nose, and a guy came in and said, "Hey, man, can you put the raise game on?" He was an older, not older, older like my age, maybe a couple a couple of years older. And his wife, my age, and can you put the raise game on? And he had like the NBA player. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I was going to do it anyway. He's looking for the remote, boom, boom, boom. And they had their backs against, I was just sitting at the bar. Nobody else was there and talking to Damon. And they were behind. And and I looked behind and I said, oh, is back-to-back dingers? Yeah, this is after a little while. Is that back-to-back dingers? He goes, you know. It. And he goes, oh. And he recognized my voice because I had been on local TV for a long time. And he's like, oh, my God, you're a rock. You're a Bay News 9. I'm like, oh, nobody recognizes me anymore. <laughs> really don't. You know? so, I've been out of it a while. So they turned around. they They brought their beers over. They sat next to me and stood there. And they just started talking, and both of them are flourishing in their business. Both are able to work from home. He's got a big-ass RV. He started showing me the pictures. He's got, he's one of the, he, and he, he, it wasn't like really bragging. He's proud, man. He's got eight TVs. He's got an 80, is it an 82 inch? He starts naming the inches. You know, I got an 82 here. He's got three on the RV. He's got five at his house. Maybe he even has six. He's got an office. He's got a like party room. An area off the patio He's got the set up for the beers He said, oh man, when we get the hurricanes We love it, we pack up the RV, we're set to go We get out of here We hit sports bars along the way We monitor where the storm is If the storm is coming towards Pensacola all right, we'll hit a left And we'll go towards Mississippi Oh, we're set, we got everything I do this, I do that And I'm like, look at it He goes, you gotta live You gotta live, man And I'm like, I came home and I was kind of laughing But I was like, look at these two they're thriving in their businesses. They they work from home and he, uh, and they're living life. And you know what? How about li- how about like we got to live life a little bit more? Don't you think? Let's try to do that. So that's your homework. Live life until more until the next podcast, which drops on Tuesday. This is the rock stops here. I appreciate every one of you. I'm not going to be one of these where these I've seen some of these girls. I love all of you. <laughs> I don't love all of you. I don't even know uh, half of you, but I, I appreciate you. I really do. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Let's live life more. Let's do it. Coming up on this week's episode of Crush Performance, we're kicking off a three-part series of the Crush Brain Game. We'll be doing a deep dive into the mental strategies for sport performance. We'll discuss how we perceive our environment through vision. And this week, we're joined by peak performance expert Wayne Lee to talk about the power of our subconscious minds. You have more control than you might think. You just need to understand how it works. And we lay it out for you on this week's episode of The Crush Brain Game. Get us on your favorite podcast platform and right here at RadioInfluence.com. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.